Hello, and welcome to another episode of HR Tech Chat, the podcast where we explore the latest trends and innovations in HR technology. I'm your host, Jennifer Dole, and today we have a special guest with us. Pamela is a results-driven HCM practitioner, HR tech expert, talent management guru, you name it. So brace yourself for some game-changing insights, and welcome, Pamela. Thanks so much, Jennifer. I'm so thrilled to be with you today, and this is a topic that I've been tracking since before the pandemic. And, um, and, and hopefully have a lot to share that I think will be relevant for people. Great. So today we're going to discuss an important topic. It's really about supporting women in the workplace and ensuring equitable promotions and opportunities. And Pamela, you and I have already talked a lot about this offline and thought this would make a great podcast. It would. So let's start. You know, how do you think that HR technology can help women get access to greater opportunities? Absolutely. But I want to take a step back to work into my answer on that okay. and how it can help. And and the reason I want to do that is, is um, I think we have lost sight of what has happened to women in careers over the mm. last three to four years. And so if we could just dial the clock back a little bit to the fall of 2020. So by the time we hit the fall of 2020, Mm -hmm. 5.1 million women had left the workforce in the U.S. And that was simply because we needed caregivers. We needed homeschooling. We needed somebody to to, um, Mm -hmm. not only take care of their family and their children, but they were taking care of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and aunts and uncles, they were sort of the central um, point of care for an extended network. And um, and so, and, and the other thing that happened is as people had stepped out of the workplace in a number of different ways, some were furloughed, some decided to take career breaks and things, they started realizing, wow, um, now that I'm doing more things in my life, I kind of like this and I don't know if I would go back full time again. So fast forward from the fall of 2020 to today. So 2.4 million women still have not come back to the workforce. And a lot of that has to do with caregiving, has to do Mm -hmm. with I can't afford childcare, I can't afford paid childcare. Um, It has to do, to your point about Um, equitable jobs, you know, are there jobs out there that are going to help me support the things I need to support and also support me in my life. And especially by the way, and this is, if there was a topic that you could label, this is making me crazy, it would be (laughs) this. So, you know, during the pandemic, we did things like zoom meetings. We Um, we did a lot of social networking. We were on Slack. We were talking to everybody virtually and in person and, you know, um, and connecting wherever we could. And, and it was wonderful to, it was wonderful. to people's homes. We, yes. And be their kids and their pets and their lives. And they didn't take time off work to go to the doc, take their children to the doctor because it sort of fit in the flow of their lives. Yes. You know, I'll work this morning, take an hour break, 
take my child to the doctor, come home, work in the afternoon, and they made it work in their lives. They had autonomy mm-hmm. and they also were held accountable. So they knew that, yes, I'll take this break, but I've got to come back and finish this. Yep. So the make me crazy part is this. So somehow during the pandemic, that seemed to work. And organizations were like, hey, we actually are seeing lifts in productivity in some areas of our company. And um, more women were applying for jobs where they offered flexibility and this accountability and, um, and, and they were given choices about how they did the work and when they did the work. So here we are today. More organizations are calling people back to work. And some, oh yes. And some of them are calling them back in a nasty way. It says, if you can't come back full time, uh, you have to leave the company. If you can't come back and work in our version of flexible or our version of hybrid work, which is three days in the office, two days at home, you know, we don't have full-time remote work anymore. And you have this discrepancy between the fact that nearly half the jobs in the economy could be done remotely in some way, Mm -hmm. and less and less companies are supporting remote work. So what's happening to women in those situations? Well, they can't work at those companies. They don't want to work in those companies. And I think it's absolutely a shame that we make progress. We have more women engaged. We have women that are really committed to work, but they get the autonomy they need with the accountability they can deliver. And now we seem to be backing off that. And I just, uh, it makes me crazy. And what companies need to learn is um, more women apply for jobs when there's a measure of flexibility, when there's a measure of autonomy. And we seem to lost sight of that. And you know, you talk about being equitably promoted. So, you know, there is a role in technology for that. In fact, I think technology may be what saves us in that. Okay. So we're now at the answer of my question. I know, I know. I needed a preamble. I needed a preamble, but here's here's what it is. So um, you see companies doing things like internal talent marketplace. We have yes. skills marketplace. We have career marketplace. We have skills driven career planning. And, you know, there are lots of vendors that do this. You know, I have to give a plug. I came from the Oracle tradition for 12 years. So Oracle has an internal talent marketplace. In fact, they were one of the first. Um, Gloat does a great job with this. And they've got wonderful stories from Schneider Electric, Um, and, uh, they have a great one, um, in the UK, um, as well, um, with Unilever where Unilever was working on how do we, um, get, get work done if we can't fill jobs. So they opened up an internal career marketplace with skill building and in their first brush with this, they saved $15 million. I mean, that's a great story. Yeah. Um, you've got Phenom, who's out there, who's got a great solution for this as well. But what it does for women, what it does for everyone is the first thing is, is it creates transparency. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not up to the manager to say, um, well, I'm going to tap who's getting promoted 
and they know what the opportunities are. Everybody sees the opportunities. Everybody can see, here's the work, here are the skills. You can, all of these systems have some matching that goes on and you can say, yes, I'm a fit for this or I want to be a fit for this. Exactly. I think that's and, one of the main points is that yeah. people now get to raise their hand and say, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And then find those opportunities within their company. Because before they are saying, this is what I want to do and going to job boards outside your company. Exactly. Exactly. And we know that um, if it's easier to find a job outside your company, people will take it. And yep. for as much as being sad about the economy right now, um, there are still 3.9 million people every month that leave a job looking for something better. And so when you can open up an internal talent marketplace, when you can see opportunities that are projects, that are short-term assignments, that are work rotations, um, and you can see what's required, you can raise your hand. And most of these systems have a mentoring connection. All the vendors I, I mentioned, they have a mentoring and coaching connection as well. And you can, you now, are the um, architect of your career. And women want that. I mean, I think, first of all, I think everybody wants it, but it particularly applies to women because they then get to make choices about when I work, where I work, how I work, how I want to deliver the work. And mm -hmm. I think that's just so critical. The other piece about these internal talent marketplaces is the short-term assignments or the yeah. gigs. It lets you experiment with yes. a different type of role before you commit to it fully. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all seen the research that says, you know, women have to match 80% of the job description to apply to it, but men match like 60%. So yeah. that's what I love about the short-term assignments and the gigs, because you can experiment. Mm -hmm. You can. And, um, and let's face it, um, mm -hmm. the experimentation is the career growth pathway. Um, I saw this great quote that Jean Meister had posted, uh, probably right at the end of last week, I read this, where she said, career mobility is the new college degree. Wow. Isn't that great? I love that. Yeah. And because it's to your point, that's where the experimentation comes from. And you have so many organizations out there that are saying we're interested in people that can grow, but don't necessarily have the degree. They don't have the paper because you have tear the paper ceiling, you have business round table, you have uh, star, the star Alliance, and you have all these places where they're looking at how people can develop and grow. And it's through alternative means. And yes. so I just love the fact that, um, you know, Jean's quote about it's the new college degree. I think it is actually. Yeah. yeah. It's like the master's program, right? You could, you go and do a little bit in each area and learn the business by working in the business. Mm -hmm. You do, you do. And, and, um, you know, what we know about that experience is that um, the more people have a positive experience, the more they tell people about your company 
and they become like a, a self-referral program. Yes. And um, what we see is, is that it's kind of a, the self-fulfilling prophecy for the company and the person. And I, I met last month, I did a presentation at Quartz HR and I met uh, Cassie Lee, who is from AT&T. She's the head of audit for AT&T. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've had, I've had interaction with finance over my career. I actually uh, did a lot of work for a CFO in one of the companies I worked for, helping him build his strategy and his organization. But I have to say, Cassie has built the coolest financial organization on the planet. And she built it by um, talking about what the work is, giving people opportunities to experiment and grow, and um, giving people opportunity for flexibility. You know, um, yes, we have, you know, you can work remotely when it's appropriate. You have to come in, you know, when it makes sense to come in. And um, she asked everybody, you know, what their goal was, how they wanted to grow their career. And, you know, as they went through this transition, all the right people ended up showing up. Yeah. And she has the only organization I have ever heard of in finance that does not need a recruiter. People are so energized about wow. working on this team and about working with her and working with each other and building the capabilities of the team and the individuals that she does not use a recruiter. They recruit themselves. They recruit for themselves. It's word of mouth. People want to work there. I'm sure there's a lineup for every role. I'm sure there's a, a long list of people that want to be considered. And, you know, when you think about how do women grow their career, you know, it's a lot like that. It's experimentation. It's um, being supported by a team. It is making sure that you have access to coaching and mentoring, that you have flexibility when you need it that people are interested in you. And, um, and I have to say, um, when you could be doing the best work ever, but if no one takes notice and they're not interested um, and they don't understand what you need to be fulfilled, women are less, I think, willing to put up with that today than they used to be. Yeah, I, I fully agree with you. And I think it's gonna be really interesting to see um, promotion levels of yeah. people that are working remote or are working hybrid versus are in the office because well, that proximity bias, if you will, I think may still be there. I think it is. And, you know, that's the big fear still is that, um, am I going to be noticed? What do I have to do to get noticed? And somehow, I, by the way, I think this is another fascinating thing. Somehow we have made this the issue of the individual instead of the issue of the leader or the company. Mm. You know, it's like, if you want to be noticed and it's a CNBC culture, then you've got to come into the office. What if we flipped that and said, we have a way to understand, acknowledge and support people in whatever situation they work. Yeah. And when there's an opportunity, um, again, it's transparent. It's open to everyone. You want to raise your hand. Great. If you're maybe not a fit for this, the least that we owe you is a conversation. 
the least that we owe you is a moment to say, what are you really interested in doing? How can we help? And if you weren't a fit for this, how can we help you be a fit for the next thing? How do we help you grow? And, you know, years ago in my career, this is when I worked for Gap Inc. And we were looking at career building and how do we do this? And we talked about the career value proposition yep. and I made something up that became a thing, you know, cause you can create a thing when no one's created it before you can create a thing. And so I said, the career value proposition is 5149, 51% is the, is the company. Mm -hmm. The company has to have the tools to your point, the technology, do we have ways for people to understand the work? Can they bid on projects? Is there an internal talent marketplace? Do we have tools that support them in the role? Um, do we have ways for them to connect? Can they do work together? Can they do asynchronous work? All of that. So right. the company has to have a way to do that. But the 49% is the individual. Like yes. nobody, so many companies have this, people have this idea that, um, someone's going to tap me on the shoulder for my next promotion. <laughs> and, um, I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're, they're not. not. Like, no, they're not. Again. You, you have not to, engage. to tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, that's not going to happen. You have to engage. And so you have to go and find out what's open in the internal marketplace. You have to look at the projects and say, if I'm doing this now, how can I do that? How do I migrate to that? How do I have that experience? And I was reading about a company the other day that has created a category of worker that we hire you and you're not, it's not exactly the same, like you're on our full-time payroll, mm -hmm. but we have some benefits allowance because we want you to be in our internal talent marketplace, even though you're an external person. So mm -hmm. you're in our internal talent marketplace for projects, for short-term assignments, for specialized work. And so we're going to give you some access to benefits. We're going to give you some access to some of these other services that would be a benefit for a full-time employee, but we're going to help you. We want to, we want to create a connection to you. Yeah. And, and really attractive. I, I, I think, by the way, that is really innovative and, and kudos because quite honestly, that's how you're going to win in the, in a marketplace that's now being dubbed the forever talent shortage. Absolutely. The companies have got to, to flex and mm -hmm. come up with these innovative ideas and technology is helping. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. And I, I also want to say back to my 5149, mm -hmm. I also think you need um, the right technology because you and yes. I have both seen companies that have a technology strategy that is, uh, resembles something like throwing spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> and by the way, I tried that once to see if it sticks. It does. <laughs> like, Thank you for saving me time. I don't have to do that now. <laughs> so, so one time I cooked spaghetti and I threw it at the wall. It does stick. <laughs> so I mean, anyway, but, but, um, but to that, to that very point, um, you need technology. You have to say like, what do we want to accomplish here? And that you need the technology that's going to support that and drive that. There are a lot of things people could buy. There are a lot of things that um, are out there, but you have to get really clear on what are we trying to accomplish and what's going to help us get there. 
And I agree. You know, it needs to be a strategic implementation of technology. Exactly. Because you can't throw everything out there, right? You've got to really consider the experience of the employees and consider the experience of the managers that yes. are struggling yes. so much. Exactly. And you know, one, and, and I, I still don't think even in the pandemic, we did a great job with this. I think one lingering issue, um, and I think it's a big issue, is what is the manager job now? Good question. So to your, to your point of you need lots of different ways to create um, a way to work, to be a structure for work. Managers have to figure out how do I manage a hybrid team? How do I manage people that are going to be always remote? Because some companies will have always remote. How do I manage the people that um, will come into the office three days a week, four days a week, five days a week if necessary? If you're in a frontline retail job or if you're in a frontline job where you don't have the flexibility for remote or hybrid, how do I manage that and the expectations of those people that might need the same flexibility as someone that's like a hybrid worker, remote worker, but how do I make remote real for them? How do I make hybrid real for them? Because there are ways to do it and give them some flexibility. But leaders, you know, we... Um, we have to, I think, coach leaders, develop leaders in every um, aspect of what we saw coming out of the pandemic. Like we still probably don't spend enough time talking to leaders about empathy, right? What empathy looks like. Yeah. Yep. It's, it, it's like, how do you, how do you coach someone to be more empathic? And I was at this dinner last night and I was talking to a gentleman, his name's Tim Bristow. Tim's a COO of a company called ProHabits. And he was talking about how they support leaders with empathy. Like, how do you coach a leader? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's simple nudges. Like as you go in and start your meeting, check in with everyone in the meeting and see how they're doing. Yes. Now, everybody can do that. You don't have to be an empathy genius to do that. No, you just have to build a habit of doing it. You do, you do. And and um, and so everyone at the table is like, oh my God, I hadn't really thought about that. It's that simple. But yeah. I do think we have to get back to leadership and, and support leaders and particularly um, make sure that when choices are being made about promotions, about opportunities, about new assignments, that you you really have to make an effort to include everybody in that that decision making and not um, bias against people that you just don't see every day. Right, because um, th those could be your best workers. Yeah, I mean, so kind of wrapping up this amazing conversation, visibility, transparency, and a collaborative approach yeah. between employees and managers, that 51, 49% you're talking about. And that's where HR tech really comes in to help. It does. It does. And, you know, um, if uh, you want people that are fulfilled at work, use technology as a way to support that fulfillment. People are more fulfilled when they're more connected. You have, we have the technology in HR tech today to connect everybody to everybody. And yes. so, let's look at how we use those connections to support people in the work and make sure that there's always someone to reach out to 
and that you can get coaching and mentoring and guidance and you can get career advice as you want to grow and to your point, experiment with these new things, with new opportunities. And, you know, HR tech, the, the other side of HR tech, because I spent 12 years, nearly 12 years at Oracle in the tech space. Before that, I was with Taleo, is um, the technology really should be the gateway to opening up to experience. People want better experiences. And I think technology is the gateway and you have to be really conscious about what gates you want to go through. Exactly. And you have to have those multiple gates that meet the needs of the person. Some people yes. are going to be more comfortable with a digital experience. Some people want to have that in-person experience. Absolutely. It's possible. It is. It is. So, so I, I think uh, technology is just offering us so many more options today. And I'm thrilled with the tech futures that we're looking at and the choices people will have to grow careers uh, going forward. Yeah, it's really exciting. Pamela, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your experience with us. Oh, thanks um, so much for having me. I just adore talking to you. There's, It's <laughs> always like a good time. And I always learn something like, you know, you really threw spaghetti against the wall. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so nobody needs to try that anymore. Nobody needs to try it. It works. <laughs> but thank you so much. Really appreciate oh, you being here. You're welcome. It's my and pleasure. A wonderful edition of HR Tech Chat. And we have definitely covered some of the trends and innovations that make a difference in promoting equity in organizations. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thank you.